BDNG podcast. My name is Tina McKenzie and I am the Education Development Lead for the BDNG. I hope you enjoy listening to the BDNG podcast and find them beneficial to your practice. These podcasts are sponsored by Amaral. Amaral has no influence over the content of these podcasts. Happy listening! Hello and welcome um, to the BDNG here at Harrogate. Um, my name is Ashley Cleary and I am a clinical nurse specialist in dermatology. And alongside me today is my co-host Emmanuel Tony. Do you want to say hello, Manny? Hello, and I'm an ACP in dermatology as well. And with us today, we have three lovely dermatology research nurses. We have uh, May Havenden Williams, Joe Searle, and M- Melanie Westmoreland. Um, so, would you all like to introduce yourselves individually and tell us a little bit about who you are and um, what your job role is? Hi, so um, my name is May, and I'm yeah a dermatology research nurse in the team. Um, quite recently joined, but I've been working in research for quite a number of years in a few different specialties, um, but new to dermatology. Hi, I'm Mel- Melanie Westmoreland. Uh, I've been leading the research team in dermatology for for the last. 10 years. Um, I fell into, dermatolo- fell into dermatology and fell into research um, and I didn't have any dermatology or research experience before I joined um, but I've been in post for, for 10 years now and uh, lead the research team. Hi I'm Jo and I'm also quite new to dermatology. Um, I've done a little bit of research um, so yeah I'm pretty new to dermatology and to research. <laughs> well welcome. So do you want to let us know so how did you actually decide to get into dermatology research then so um you you joe said that you or melanie sorry you said that you fell into it but um may and uh joe you guys chose to get involved in dermatology or how did that happen um yes we chose well i chose um yeah i guess it it's kind of an interesting area i did i spent like a couple of days in a dermatology department as a student nurse and really liked it and then, yeah, but my background was kind of, I did intensive care nursing and then I was doing a lot of COVID research in the pandemic. And so I wanted something completely different after that. And then a job came up in dermatology and I thought, oh yeah, well, I've always kind of had an interest and I'm really loving it. It's a really interesting specialty. Yeah, um, For me, I was working in early phase cancer research and as a band five and I uh, was looking to become a full-time research nurse because I, I knew I wanted a career in research. And the job came up in dermatology, looked into it, and I thought dermatology looks amazing. And it's an opportunity to be a full-time research nurse, so I applied, and here I am. What a lovely, diverse workforce. So the first question we've got here, and it's kind of an open question, we can kind of carry on doing one at a time, that's fine. And it's just about, what is the role of a dermatology research nurse? So a lot of nurses listening to this podcast might not have any experience in research. So kind of, what does your typical week look like, and what, what does your job in, involve? Well, we have, uh, we've got a wide variety of studies at the moment. We've got, uh, we have about 10 or 12 studies running at, running at any one point. Um, and they, they, are, they could be uh, phase two or three uh, dermatology studies, or they could be database studies or clinical academic studies. So our role is to recruit patients to, to all of those studies, depending on, um, on patient eligibility, and, to, um, and then to follow them up, uh, collect their data and follow them up uh, going forward. You mentioned a few different types of, of studies there. So how would you kind of go about doing a piece of research? So do, do, are you approached by pharmaceutical companies that are like, would you do this study for us? And you mentioned academic ones. What is the process for kind of someone approaching you and saying, we've got this study piece, would you like to be involved? 
There are, there are several different ways that that can happen. We work very closely with the NIHR and we're funded, um, as research nurses, we're funded by, by the NIHR. So some of our work comes through through that, that route. But also we are approached directly through, um, through pharmaceutical companies. Some companies we've worked for before and uh, you sort of build up a reputation and um, they will then come back to you if they've got another study running in a similar field. Um, and then also some of our consultants are very research active in the department and they have got their own studies running and some of those might be through the UK DCTN or uh, with different academic institutions. And kind of what does your work week typically look like? Are you in the clinical environment quite a lot or is it mainly office based for those that aren't really familiar with with research nurses? Yeah, so that's um, a good question because, yeah, often I think the other nurses in our department think, what the hell are you guys doing all the time? You're just kind of loitering in clinic or you're up in your office. And so kind of typical day, I guess, you kind of come in, probably sit at your computer, kind of see what clinics are running for that day and see if you might have any possible um, patients to recruit so say if there's like a psoriasis clinic then you know you might get some people for bad beer study and things like that um, then we are sort of down in clinic a fair amount we sort of share out between the team sort of a day each or something down in clinic and we'll be kind of recruiting patients we also put up posters and things around the department so sometimes patients say to reception oh I want to be in a research study and they call us and we say yeah great and we run down and have a chat with them about the studies they might be eligible for yeah then we'll kind of have visits won't we so if we've got um, a patient on a commercial trial they'll sort of have visits every few months or so and so if you have a visit with them that's quite a big visit where you'll kind of be in a clinic room and they'll come in for ECGs maybe an EZ or a PARSI depending what's relevant um, and do blood tests um, we also spend a bit of time in the lab like um, mixing up blood sort of centrifuging them and separating the different elements from the blood test to send off to central laboratories we have meetings with monitors and with the sponsors of studies to because there's kind of a it's kind of a project management element to it isn't there I'd say sort of making sure the project is running well and you're recruiting to target and um, that sort of thing as well as the, the patient aspect and monitoring and making sure they're safe on a study. I think it's fair to say there's no such thing as a typical day or week. <laughs> yeah it can be very unpredictable uh, I'm sure, yeah. you know, when you get patients, yeah, when you get patients that phone in with like a serious adverse event or a Suzar, uh, yeah. you know, on a Friday afternoon at 5pm, which is when all Suzars seem to happen yeah. and having to kind of drop your, your workload accordingly. Uh, I've kind of got a question about, because uh, you mentioned a few different studies there, uh, different types of study rather. A nurse listening to this who might not necessarily be a dermatology research nurse, but works kind of with them in a clinical area. What can they do to help you? So like studies like bad beer, for example, when you're looking at the notes and getting information out from there, is there something they could do perhaps, you know, when they're, when they're seeing patients make sure to write dates and things like that that could help you? Um, yeah, I think working with our clinical colleagues is, is really important. And some of, the, some of the work that we do is actually um, trying to update our nursing team as to what studies we've got running um, and what they can help recruit to. So absolutely, knowing what studies we've got in the department, um, knowing what, what might be suitable for their patients. Um, but absolutely, if, if we can't see a patient, for example, and they, they might be doing a PARSI or a, um, an EASY or something like that, making sure that that's <clears throat> really well documented is really, really helpful. And then there are lots of, lots of studies that, that our nursing colleagues can, can recruit to as well. And uh, yeah, working, working in partnerships is really, really good. 
Fab. And uh, while I've got you on the microphone, uh, I understand that you are a PI, so a principal investigator. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the responsibilities that involve and, and you know, any nurse listening to this because the BDNG have those role descriptors now and about, you know, potentially becoming nurse consultants. There needs to be a lot of research activity now. So and that could involve being a PI in a study. So how would a nurse go about doing that? And what does the job involve? Um, I would hugely encourage any nurse who wants to be involved uh, to to be a PI if they if they are interested in doing that. The simplest way of describing it is taking ultimate responsibility for the study in that department. Um, you've got a chief investigator who's responsible for the study overall throughout the country, but you would be taking responsibility within your clinical area for that particular study. And basically that means that it's running well and you've got um, everybody delegated appropriately on the study log, on the delegation log, that everybody knows what they're doing and what their responsibilities are. Um, You're looking at recruitment targets, you're looking at the figures, you're looking at making sure that um, the patients are um, ultimately safe when they're going through one one of your studies. And it's a really rewarding, rewarding thing to be doing, actually. And I would encourage any nurse who's, who's research aware, who wants to, to try, try having a go at a, a PI role to, to absolutely do it. And one of the things that, that you can do as well, if you're not, if you don't have that experience, is to perhaps be a co-PI initially. Uh, and that's where you'd be working with a, an experienced principal investigator. And uh, that, that will broaden your horizons and, and give you that experience beforehand. And is there any training that people should do before, you know, getting involved in research, becoming a PI? There are PI, there's a PI Essentials course, which is run by the NIHR. Um, I did that not recently, quite recently, actually, um, and picked up a huge amount of, of really useful information. Um, so would absolutely recommend that, that you do the PI Essentials course. Every study has its own amount of, of training anyway. And of course, the, the PI would be, would be uh, quite key in doing all of that to make sure that they are up to speed and so talking about that if you are a dermatology nurse but not a dermatology research nurse mm-hmm. are you still able to be a pi absolutely yes yeah okay yeah Perfect. you don't need to be a research nurse in order to be a pi and then in a, in another way of getting involved so you often have blinded assessors uh in in the clinic which you know colleagues could help out with mm-hmm. what sort of training should they do to be able to get involved in those studies from that point well, anybody who's uh, involved in research study needs to be uh, trained in GCP, good clinical practice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that can be done in a couple of ways. I would, I would strongly encourage, if anybody hasn't done a, a, a GCP course before, to perhaps do it on uh, as a face-to-face first. I think you get a lot more from it and it's, mm-hmm. it's far more understandable. Um, but then <clears throat> you, can do, you need to do a refresher every two to three years, depending on what your trust prefers. Um, but those can be done online and it's a sort of modular um, modular thing and it probably takes a couple of hours to, to do your GCP refresher um, and that's really the, the bottom line that you know everybody needs to have their GCP before they start on a research study. Perfect and then to make sure that they're on the delegation log before they do any clinical yeah. study activity. I think yeah. we've all been in that headache before <laughs> uh, as someone that's worked in research with someone anyway. So this is a question just for everyone again just talking about the recruitment process and patient identification how how do you go about doing that we've talked already just mentioned about how key it is that the critical the sorry the clinical team are on board as well have you noticed any tactics that work particularly well where you work or any advice you could give 
post-it notes work really well. Okay. <laughs> so do you pre-screen the so list before? We will go through the clinic list and um, identify patients that may be suitable for various studies. Um, and then what um, we tend to do is go downstairs into the nurse's station and put post-it notes on the um, outcome forms to say, is this patient suitable for this trial? If so, please ring research. Yep. Also, posters have worked surprisingly well because um, the patients are sat there waiting for their appointment. They see a poster saying, would you like to be in this research study? And then when they get into their appointment, they say, please, can I, can I be in this research? Even um, we've had like relatives of patients say, could I be in this research study? And we were like, well, maybe. But um, yeah, so that's worked really well. And yeah, just working with clinical colleagues to make sure, you know, and in, in clinical meetings, making sure we're telling everyone what are the current open studies that are recruiting and what the kind of main inclusion exclusion criteria are so they can be on the lookout. Fab, thank you. And moving on, I've just got another kind of question to open up the discussion. And Sometimes, you know, the patients that are referred to the research team might be kind of end of the road, if you will, clinically and quite complex where we've exhausted everything. What are your kind of experiences with with dealing with those complex patients, particularly some of the abnormal results you might get back from them? And yeah, how do you deal with them? I think some of our patients have been dealing with a chronic disease for such a long period of time. And sometimes they, they have, as you say, got they've exhausted all standard treatment. Um, and sometimes when they get to us, they, you know, they, they've spent years and years and years trying to deal with a, a condition that, that's really chronic and is having a huge impact on their life. So I think one of the lovely things that, that we can offer is that we often have much more time to spend with patients than a sort of a short, um, a short clinic appointment. And that can throw up all sorts of things um, and, and it can throw up all sorts of spurious results that we have to deal with sometimes. Um, but yeah, patients are, uh, I, I think, really do value having that extra time to, to talk through some of their clinical issues that perhaps haven't been addressed or haven't they haven't had time to address before. It's a really interesting point because I remember my time from the research team is that you do kind of get a bit more time with the patient, particularly when you have all those, you know, the SOPs, like the patient has to lie down for 30 minutes before an ECG. <laughs> it's just time that we can talk to get to know them and really build that relationship. And that's not to be underestimated. I think sometimes there's a fresh challenge when the study ends, where the patient kind of has to then readjust about expectations, where they're going back to the clinical team where, you know, we're dealing with yeah, thousands. <laughs> yeah. But I think the relationship that you're able to establish is, is really, really good. Is there anything else you would like to add or perhaps highlight to the listeners? Um, I think it's really important that um, people realise that even if patients aren't involved in research trials directly, research active institutions have been shown to have better patient outcomes than non-research active institutions. So research is a really important and valid part of the nursing profession. Fantastic. Thank you. That was very clear and concise. Yeah. And I just want to say to sort of all nurses working clinically, um, it's really great if you just know what studies are running in your department so that when patients ask you about them, you know who to signpost them to. And um, it's sort of a really integrated part of your clinical care. And I'd also just like to add that um, patients really do want to be involved. I think last year, 2021-22, there was 1.4 million patients got involved in research um, so they clearly do want to be involved and, and really sort of have a, have a strong voice. 
And so if there is a clinical nurse that's working in an environment without research and they've kind of listened to this and they're like, wow, I really want to now get involved, bring research into my workplace, what would be the first steps? Who could they reach out to? You know, is there anything maybe with the UK Dental Clinical Trials Network, would they be able to support? Yeah, I think there are two probably uh, key key organisations to get involved with. One is the NIHR, the National Institute for Health Research, or Health and Care Research as it is now, um, and the UK DCTN, the UK Dermatology Clinical Trials Network. Um, both are really active and uh, would support uh, nurses who, who want to be doing some research or, or bring clinical research into their department. And I do feel like there's a big drive at the moment um, from HE England uh, to get more research um, into into hospitals, as you're saying there. So it is something we'll see more and more of, and you'll probably get more and more nurses contacting you um, out of interest. Would it be safe to say that if people did have an interest, because um, Oxford is quite a leading centre for research, to get in contact with you guys, or would you advise that they speak to their, I suppose, their own areas first? Well, both. I, I, we would be very happy to to offer advice or um, if people wanted to come and work with us or spend some time with us or uh, phone conversation, whatever works. Um, but but yes, ultimately, they would need to get their own uh, departments on board. Um, but for advice and guidance, um, either us or the NIHR, we'd be more than happy to help. Wonderful. And so what are your take-home messages for the listeners today? Um, it would be great if there was um, the takeaway from this podcast was that people would value research and take an, take an interest in it. Um, and hopefully we can raise a profile of research across BDNG nurses. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for all of your times. Hope you're having a lovely BDNG and hopefully yeah, see you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For further information on the BDNG, visit our website bdng.org.uk and watch out for the next BDNG podcast, which is coming soon.